Chapter One of Haste and Waste, The Young Pilot of Lake Champlain by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One The Squall on the Lake. Stand by, Captain John, shouted Lawry Wilford, a stout boy of fourteen, as he stood at the helm of a sloop which was going before the wind of Lake Champlain. What's the matter, Lawry? demanded the captain who was taking his midday meal with his crew and one passenger in the little cabin we're going to have a squall continued the young pilot as he glanced at the tall peaks of the adirondacks the more northerly of which were entirely enveloped by a dense mass of angry black clouds there was a squall in those clouds in the judgment of lawry wilford but having duly notified the captain of the impending danger to his craft, he did not assume any further responsibility in the management of the sloop. It was very quiet on the lake, the water was smooth, and the tiny waves sparkled in the bright sunshine. There was no roll of distant thunder to admonish the voyagers, and the youth at the helm was so much accustomed to squalls and tempests, which are of frequent occurrences on the lake, that they had no terrors to him. It was dinner-time, and the young pilot, fearful that the unexpected guest might reduce the rations to a low ebb for the second table, was more concerned about this matter than about the squall. Captain John, as he was familiarly called on board the Missisqueque, which was the name of the sloop, was not a man to be cheated out of any portion of his dinner by the approach of a squall and though his jaws may have moved more rapidly after the announcement of the young pilot he did not neglect even the green apple pies the first of the season prepared with care and skill by mrs captain john who resided on board and did doctor's duty at the galley captain john did not abate a single mouthful of the meal though he knew how rapidly the mountain showers and squalls travel over the lake the sloop did not usually make more than four or five miles an hour, being deeply laden with lumber, which was piled up so high on the deck that the mainsail had to be reefed to make room for it, and eating and sleeping were the only luxuries within the reach of the skipper. The passenger, Mr. Randall, was a director of a country bank, journeying to Shoreham, about twenty miles above the point where he had embarked in the Mississippi. He had crossed the lake in the ferry, intending to take the steamer at Westport for his destination. Being a man who was always in a hurry, but never in season, he had reached the steamboat landing just in time to see the boat moving off. Procuring a wherry and a boy to row it, he had boarded the Missisqueque as she passed up the lake, and though the sloop was not a passenger boat, Captain John, as a special favor to the man of money, had consented to land him at Shoreham. Mr. Randall was a landsman, and had a proper respect for squalls and tempests, even on a freshwater lake. He heard the announcement of Lawry Wilford with a feeling of dread and apprehension, and straightway began to conjure up visions of a terrible shipwreck, and of sole survivors clinging with the madness of desperation to broken spars in the midst of the storm-tossed waters. But Mr. Randall was a director of a country bank, and a certain amount of dignity was expected and required of him. His official position before the people of Vermont demanded that he should not give way to idle fears. 
if captain john who was not a bank director could keep cool it was mr randall's solemn duty to remain unmoved or at least to appear to remain so the passenger finished the first course of the dinner which mrs captain john had made a little more elaborate than usual in honor of the distinguished guest but he complained of the smallness of his appetite and it was evident that he did not enjoy the meal after the brief colloquy between the skipper and the pilot he was nervous his dignity was a bore to him and was maintained at an immense sacrifice of personal ease but he persevered until a piece of the dainty green apple pie was placed before him when he lacerated the tender feelings of mrs captain john by abruptly leaving the table and rushing on deck the hurried movement was hardly to be regarded as a sacrifice of his dignity for it was made with what even the skipper's lady was compelled to allow was a reasonable excuse in spite of the demand for the proprieties of civilized society rigorously expected from directors of country banks who expect in due time to go to congress or be governors of the state mr randall sat at the hospital board of the skipper of the mrs geek in his shirt-sleeves a breach of etiquette for which there was no apology but the fact that his host appeared at the head of the table in the same undignified costume gracious exclaimed mr randall as the tempting piece of green apple pie reeking with indigenous juices was placed before him at the same moment the bank director further indicated his astonishment and horror by slapping both hands upon his breast in a style worthy of brutus when rome was in peril what's the matter squire demanded captain john dropping his knife and fork and suspending the operation of his vigorous jaws till an explanation could be obtained i've left my coat on deck replied mr randall rising from his chair it's just as safe there as twould be on your back squire added the skipper there's six thousand dollars in the pocket of that coat said the bank director with a gasp of apprehension partly for the safety of the money and partly for the safety of his person in the approaching squall mr randall did not wait to hear any more he vaulted up the companion ladder like a circus tumbler where's my coat demanded he there it is replied lawry wilford pointing to the garment under the rail we had a flaw of wind just now and it came pretty near being blowed overboard gracious exclaimed mr randall as he clutched the coat i'm too careless to live there's six thousand dollars in a pocket of that coat six thousand dollars ejaculated lawry whose ideas of such a sum of money were very indefinite i should say you ought not to let it lie around loose in this way i'm very careless but the money is safe continued the director with a long sigh of relief as he placed his hand on the treasure stand by captain john suddenly shouted lawry with tremendous energy as he put the helm down and rushed forward almost upsetting the happy mr randall in his passage the squall was coming up the lake in the track of the missisqueak a dull roaring sound was heard astern and all the mountain peaks had disappeared closed in by the dense volume of black clouds the episode of the bank director's coat had distracted the attention of the young pilot for a moment and he had not observed the rapid swoop of the squall as it bore down upon the sloop 
he leaped over the piles of lumber to the forecastle and had cast loose the peak halyard when captain john tumbled up the companionway in time to see that he had lingered too long over the green apple pie and that one piece would have been better for his vessel if not for him let go the throat halyard roared he down with the mainsail down with the mainsail lawry did not need any prompting to do his duty but before he could let go the throat halyard the squall was upon the sloop mr randall had seized hold of the rail and was crouching beneath the bulwark expecting to go to the bottom of the lake for he was too much excited to make a comparison of the specific gravities of pine boards and fresh water and therefore did not realize that lumber would float and not sink the squall did its work in an instant and before the bank director had fairly begun to tremble the rotten mainsail of the Mrs. Geek was blown into ribbons, and the flapping flitters were streaming in the air. Piece after piece was detached from the bolt rope and disappeared in the heavy atmosphere. The sloop, in obedience to her helm, came about and was now headed down the lake. The rain began to fall in torrents, and Mr. Randall was as uncomfortable as the director of a country bank could be. Go below, sir shouted captain john to the unhappy man is it safe asked mr randall safe enough won't she sink sink no she can't sink replied the skipper there wasn't onst over now mr randall encouraged by this candid statement of the situation consented to go below just as his dignified skin began to feel the cold moisture from the mountain clouds Mistress Captain John gave him a seat at her cooking stove, and the chances were all in his favor, in spite of his gloomy forebodings. The fury of the squall was spent in a moment, and then the fury of Captain John began to gather, as he saw the remnants of the sail flapping at the gaff and the boom. The Mrs. Geek and her cargo were safe, and not a single one of the precious lives of her crew had been sacrificed but the skipper was as dissatisfied as the skipper of a lake sloop could be more so probably than if the vessel had gone to the bottom and left him clinging for life to a lone spar on the angry waters for men are often more reasonable under great than under small misfortunes why didn't you let go of that throat halyard said he angrily as he walked forward to the part of the deck where the young pilot stood i did replied lawry quietly so quietly that it increased the fury of the skipper you did what was the use of letting it go after the squall had split the sail why didn't you do it sooner i did it as soon as i saw the squall coming down on us why didn't you see it before then growled captain john i told you the squall was coming half an hour ago captain john why didn't you come on deck and attend to your vessel don't be sassy said captain john in reply to this unanswerable argument i'm not the skipper of this craft if i had been that sail would have been safe i told you the squall was coming and after that i did the best i could you ain't good for nothing board a vessel i thought you knew enough to take in sail when you saw a squall a comin i should have taken in sail long ago if i had thought the captain didn't know enough to come on deck when there was a squall coming up replied lawry as he walked aft disgusted with the conduct of the skipper i don't want nothing more of you and i don't want anything more of you added lawry smartly i've got almost home 
what do you s'pose i'm goin to do here eighty mile from whitehall with the mainsail blowed clean out snarled captain john as he followed lawry mind your vessel better than you have i hope don't be sassy boy you needn't growl at me because you neglected your duty i did mine i was casting off the halyards when the squall came why didn't you do it before that's what i want to know i had no orders from the captain men on board a vessel don't take in sail till they are told to do so when i saw the squall comin half an hour ago i let you know it that was all i had to do with it if your old tub went to the bottom i don't want you in this vessel you are too smart for me continued captain john who could not combat the clinching argument of the youth i'll leave her just as soon as we get to port rock said lawry sitting down on the rail the rain ceased in a few moments and the skipper ordered the jib which had before been useless to be set at the invitation of mrs captain john lawry went below and ate his dinner to which he felt himself entitled for he was working his passage up from plattsburg by the time he had disposed of the last piece of green apple pie on board the mrs geek was before port rock which was the home of the young pilot and he saw his father's ferry-boat at the shore as he came on deck will you put me ashore here captain john asked lawry yes i will and i'm glad to get rid of you replied the captain testily i think i will land here also added the bank director now you have lost your sail i'm afraid you won't get along very fast i don't expect i shall i shan't go to shoreham till to-morrow morning with this wind i'm sorry it happened so but that boy didn't mind what he was about the captain didn't mind what he was about added lawry he needn't lay it to me when it was all his own fault i will cross the lake and get a horse at pointville so that i shall be in shoreham by five o'clock continued the bank director who was disposed to remain neutral between the contending parties captain john ordered one of the men to pull mr randall and lawry ashore in the boat and in a few minutes they were landed at port rock End of chapter 1 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana